You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What will the Timberwolves do in the second half of the season? Actually, it's not even second half. We've already started the second half of the season. we got even less games here coming up until we get to the postseason. Let's talk to Jace Frederick from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. He joins us now here on the Lake Show. Jace has been uh, about a month or so. How you been? Hey, good man. About with you. Yeah, it's crazy. There's one-third of the season left. Yeah, one-third. I know, right? And it's, look, I'm not going to sit here and act like I saw this coming. I am pleasantly surprised at what the Wolves have done to this particular point. I guess out of all the things that we've looked at and we've kind of witnessed here over the over the first two thirds of the season, what has surprised you the most? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I think I would just say that they could be the best defensive team in the NBA by a big margin because that's something where that I didn't think. I guess dating back even like two or three years that a team that had. Carl Anthony Towns, especially Carl Anthony Towns, but even like Anthony Edwards, like when he's off the ball and can sometimes lose a little interest on that end, that those two guys could lock in enough, and Ant has done it a lot, and Carl's done it more than enough, um, to be contributing members playing a lot, um, you know, like 35 minutes a game on clearly the best defense in the NBA. I know Rudy Gobert has a lot to do with it, Jane McDaniels, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but I, I couldn't have really imagined the world where those two guys you know, two years ago, even like coming into this season, would be able to be on a team that was dominant defensively. You know, when I look at, you know, there's been so many players that have played um, a really good uh, brand of basketball here the first two-thirds of the season. But the guy that I feel like, and I, and I, I do think that the fans looked at him and they appreciate him, but he's still, I think in many regards, is very much underrated. What Nikhil Alexander-Walker has been, has just been outstanding like he was kind of he was the throw-in guy right if with the Mike Conley trade and he's been exceptional on the defensive end and then his offensive game continues to uh to emerge he's he's just a really good player I mean there's just no no doubt about it like that is you look at value contracts and the keel for four and a half million dollars a year is insane um and the biggest thing with him is that he showed literally last year that like okay this is a playoff player and playoff players are just inherently more valuable uh, than, than guys who just produce numbers in the regular season. Like This is a guy that when the game gets more physical and, and the intensity ups, like he can rise to that challenge like he did against Denver. Um, I, I remember like 
training camp preseason, I'd kind of map out like minutes for guys. And, and every time with Nikhil, I would put down like 26. <laughs> and, uh, and it would be like, it's tough for me to find more than, minutes for more than eight guys here. And I think some people are like more than like 18, 20 from Nikhil. It's like, I, I think he's a really good player. And that's proven true. Like he has been the guy who he was in the playoffs and in the, in the playing game against OKC and, and then against Denver. He's been that on a near nightly basis. He's been a dominant, but the numbers say at the eye test is a dominant perimeter defender. Like he takes away your airspace and makes life really uncomfortable. Um, he's gotten more better and better offensively. He's much more confident on that end. He makes good decisions on that end. Like he's a really good player, and I am super interested. We're a long ways out, um, but to see what he gets after next season, uh, like what his market value would be, because that. You talk about like three and D players, uh, two way basketball players, like Nikhil Alexander Walker is a, a prime example of that. Well, you know, it's what's interesting to me too. Also, with regards to that uh, to that specific deal, is I want to get your take and your thoughts about the extension that Mike Conley Jr. got. He's got a couple of more years added to the contract for what twenty one million dollars. What, what do you make of that? Because I don't, I don't hate it. I'm not saying that it's uh, it's going to be a game changer because I do think that somebody else will be have supplanted him in that role of starter by the end of that. But what did you make of the uh, of that new money? I thought it was an excellent deal for Minnesota because I did think like Mike has been really good. Like he's shooting a career high from three. Uh, he's still been a very apt defender um, and obviously been a really good floor general. The assisted turnover numbers are insane, and he's really been a good fit. And I think that there are a lot of teams that could use like a point guard like that um, in, in end of game situations and whatnot that can really kind of either help bring them together like Mike did when he showed up last season or really help close games with just like the good decision making. So I thought that was a really good number. I thought he was going to be at least in like the two for 30 range at like minimum. Um, so I think getting that for Minnesota was a huge score. I think it just shows how much Mike just wants to be here and wants to be part of what he thinks can be a team that really contends for a championship. And I know that's kind of the last thing he really wants to check on his resume. Yeah. So I thought it was a huge score for Minnesota. And I think the number is like one of those things where now it's risk-free. Cause I even like say at the end of those two years, Mike has fallen off a little bit in the age, the father time finally caught up to him. It's like, it's, it's still just like $11 million. Um, which not like this where if he did sign for like two for 36 or something and now it's this $18 million contract um, heading into his final year that you're like, well, this is anchoring us down. Um, $11 million really isn't. Um, so yeah. I think it's like for Minnesota, it takes away a lot of the risk, and now they just get to enjoy all the value um, for as long as Mike Conley plays at this level. Yeah, we're talking to Jace Frederick for the Pioneer Press here on the Lake Show on News Talk, 830-WCCO. When I look at Carl Anthony Towns, I feel like this is the best season of basketball that he's played. Now, I'm not saying that in the context, Jace, of of like the numbers, but in terms mm-hmm. of just watching him and him being more under control, less outbursts from him. He, it just seems like the composure and the the maturity. We're starting to finally see some of that from Cat. Yeah, and I think part of it is like the game is just easier, and he just is maybe accepting more often now that it's easier. Because even early in the season, there were a lot of the offensive fouls, and it was like, man, got to stop forcing it. I think he's realizing that like he can just kind of let the offense come to him, and he can just attack when the opportunity presents itself, whether that be an open shot or just a really advantageous matchup. Um, He doesn't – like, he can score 18 points, and the Wolves can still win by 10. You know, um, he doesn't have to be – like the guy who carries the team offensively. But if the matchup's there, the Wolves are happy if he does that. So I think he's just done a better job of understanding the situations, not feeling like he has to carry the load, not feeling like he has to force things. I mean, and part of it also does come in like pride. Like just be okay if you score 16 points and the team wins. Um, and I think he's realized that 
and the all-star selection only like reaffirmed that the credit comes with the wins. Um, and, and that should help kind of carry him through the rest of the year. For me, it's going to be all about the playoffs because that is when we've seen him at his worst, especially in terms of like forcing things um, and, and getting frustrated and, and say like Minnesota drops a playoff game and it goes to one, one in a series. How do you come on game three? Are you just as willing to like, you know, take the open threes that are there and not get back to the kind of playing with the off arm and pick it up offensive fouls. We'll see. But if he can continue to play the way he's been playing, especially of late, um, now he can become an asset in the playoffs. Just be who you are. Do what you're good at and attack when the opportunity presents itself. I agree with you. He's done that the most this season. Uh, really, any season outside of, like, I mean, the only one I would compare it to is literally, like, the season that Jimmy Butler was here. And I know those two feuded a lot, but Carl kind of played in his role. Um, and he's really gotten back to that. Yeah. All right, so I guess kind of in closing, what what do you think is the the ceiling for this team? Do, do you think that this team is a championship contender? I mean, everything we see in the regular season says they are, uh, but I understand the trepidation for other people to think that and that, you know, none of these guys have gone to that level. Rudy Gobert has not had much success in the playoffs. Carl Anthony Towns has had, like, none. And has looked good in the playoffs but not won a series. Um, so – I understand like the trepidation, but everything we see in front of us says that they are. Uh, so that's that's it's going to be kind of like an ultimate test of like, is is this finally right? Like, is is the regular season the truth teller, or do we have to just rely on past playoff results? I think I think it's a team that will at least win one series and push to win two, and then once you get to the conference finals, like for me, it's a bunch of matchups. Like, I think they would beat certain teams, and I'm not sure if they would beat others. I still think Denver's the best team in the West, but. Um, I think Minnesota could push them. I don't know. Where do you land on that? I I do think that they are a contender. And the the only reason why I say that I think that they are a contender is just the thing that you touched on earlier in the interview is, is the fact that they've been so good defensively. Like They've been stellar defensively. As long as they remain that good on the defensive end, I think that they will be able to, to, to battle with anybody out there. Yeah, and it's one of those things for me where I'm like, okay, maybe they're playing at like close to a playoff intensity right now. And so then it's like when other people maybe try to up the ante to match them, what's that going to look like? But I've seen them in other big games this year where it feels like the other team brought it um, and Minnesota brought it and Minnesota emerged victorious. So I don't know what would be different. I think it would be a little bit shocking if all of a sudden the wheels fell off just because it was the playoffs. So I'm with you and I'm a big believer that you build on yourself throughout the regular season. You you like consistently stack together good things and they become your habits. And I really feel like Minnesota's done that. Hey, the one other thing, and then I'll let you go, and I just want to get your perspective on it. Uh, this is just this is not based off of any inside information. This is <laughs> this is what I think is going to to happen here in the offseason. Uh specifically if the Wolves have a nice postseason run, let's say that they get to the Western Conference Finals or whatever, right? And they play well. I think the we I think the next thing that's on the docket is a Chris Finch contract extension because when he got his extension after when he when he first remember he came over and was signed on as the coach during the the midst of that season uh and that was actually that was Ant's first season I want to say uh, and then mm-hmm. he ended up getting the uh the multi-year contract extension in April of 2022 it just seems like and I don't know how many in particular how many years that extension was for but it just seems like the timing if I was his agent is right for we're going to capitalize on the fact that maybe potentially they'll be the number one or number two seed going into the postseason, and let's make sure that we get our money now because he's locked in. Yeah, that's a good point. I have to look back on that. Um, I, I think I remember hearing what it was for at the time years-wise, but I don't remember it 
it's either one year or two years left. And I would definitely think like if you coach the number one seed in the West, if yep. you are, you know, the all-star coach, if you continuously like put together these good results, no matter what roster construction gets sent at you, um, like he's, he might very well win coach of the year. He will probably finish in the top three, no doubt. Um, I agree with you that it's kind of like he's done it with multiple different variations of the team, multiple different front offices. Like, I don't think they would hesitate um, to sign him to an extension. I think it'd be deserved. So I, I agree with you that that could very well be on the horizon, particularly if the postseason results are at or at least near what they're hoping for. Yeah, and I, I just like Chris. I, I like the way he goes about his business. He's just a quiet guy. Uh, you know, he sees subtly funny, but he's not a soundbite guy. He doesn't need the attention. He doesn't He doesn't need any of that. He just He's like – I just want to. I just want to coach basketball. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and when he's frustrated, like it's not like loud frustrated or anything. Like the words just reek of frustration, and it's because he's frustrated. Um, you know, like he's very authentic. I think with what with what he's feeling um, and who he is in, at kind of all times, and and you just see like it's not like this loud, boisterous person. It's just he's very focused. Um, he like you said, witty um, as well, and. But, but also, like, he just he's a truth teller, which for the media is very refreshing, but he manages to do it in a way that, you know, isn't really, like, indicting of his players. And as they always say, they're like, anything he says in the media, he has already said to us. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's very cool to work with, and you see that that's kind of the – that's why the respect is there from his assistant coaches, from the players and everybody, because he's honest with literally everybody he works yeah. with. Yeah. Hey, Jason, man, always a pleasure to, uh, to chat with you, man, and uh, I'll see you soon. All right, sounds good, Like, Appreciate right, it, man. Right. Take care. That's Jace Frederick from the uh, Pioneer Press talking all things Minnesota Timberwolves right here on the Lake Show. What's next? Word on the street. That's next here on The Good Neighbor. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is the word on the street? That's what I want to know. When I want to know what's the word on the street, Chris Tubbs, he's the person that informs me of what's good. Well, it's not only here, but it is the land down under because I have not had a uh, a Tay-Tay and Kelsey Update for a week, but lucky oh you guys. Oh, boy. That's right. If you're wondering what's going on with uh, Tavis, here's the dealio. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are reunited down under. Their first order of business as a couple was to go back to the zoo. She down was under just, where? Under the covers? Yeah, down under where? I see what she did there. Hey, 
what you do in, well, what they do in their bedroom is, you know. Ain't got nothing to do with me. Ain't got nothing to do, you know. What they do at the zoo is everybody's business. But the good thing is they didn't do anything other than look at the animals. Lovebirds were seen hand-in-hand Thursday walking through the Sydney Zoo, taking in the sights and peeping all the animal exhibitions. Tay-Tay seemed to take the lead in showing him around, which makes sense, since she was literally there 24 hours before his arrival. As reported, Travis was en route to Sydney Wednesday after hopping on a private jet Tuesday night from L.A. and making a pit stop in Hawaii. Now, in terms of privacy, it doesn't appear that Taylor and Travis had the place shut down for themselves. There were other zoo sightseers walking around, but they did seem to have their own little bubble without being bombarded by fans and gawkers. They've got a few days together through the weekend. Taylor's going to be busy. She's got four shows to do. Oof. Safe to say, Trav's going to be in attendance. Do you see she got 96,000 people for a concert oh, in, wow. in Melbourne? Are you serious? 96,000 people at a Taylor Swift concert. Amazing. That's, that's something else, dude. Hey, do your thing. Strike why the iron's hot. People- I mean, when you talk about having the world in the palm of your hand, that, that's literally it. Yeah, you're doing shows in front of ninety six thousand. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it is, it is amazing. But I'm never going to fault anybody for trying to capitalize on their fame. Hey, you do you. Good for you, Taylor Swift. People might hate you, but you know they hate you because they ain't you. (laughs) Let's be honest. Hey, Misha Barton claims she dated her one time OC co star Ben McKenzie. And since uh, she was underage at the time, she said it was complicated. Mm. Now, the actress shared her story on Call Her Daddy this week, saying that the on-screen relationship she shared with Ben actually took hold in real life as well, something that she alleged happened right from the jump when she first joined the show. Barton says she was 17 at the time and that Ben was a few years older in his mid-20s. Notes that she was very new to all of it since she hadn't really dated much before him. Safe to say the age difference came out of the radar. The producers who were apparently concerned about it, at least according to Misha, she says showrunners were hitting up her parents and it was a whole ordeal, as she puts it. She goes on to say she and Ben only dated for a bit before breaking things off. It sounds like she might have dated other co-stars as well, explaining that a lot of people on the OC were hooking up with each other. Long story short. Oh, my. Yeah, a whole know, lot of hooking up, whole huh? A whole lot of hooking up. I'm not going to look at that show the same way. Never watched it. I I haven't either, but uh, I'll have to I'll have to start just so I can say that I'm going to look at it differently. She said she had to grow up fast while working on the series, although it doesn't sound like all of it was exactly smooth. But the 2000s, God, I feel old when I, the 2000s were a different time. The 2000s. I'm trying to look up the cast here. Yeah, I've never I've never seen the Wait, Olivia Wilde wasn't in. Was she? Realize that. Oh, good for her. I guess she was. I love mm. me some Olivia Wilde. There you go. You and yum. Yum, 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 Gabby Petito's family has reached a settlement with her killer Brian Laundrie's family and their emotional distress lawsuit. Mm. The details aren't being released to the public. An attorney for the Laundries, uh, Steve Bertolino, released a statement on the settlement on Wednesday saying that the two sides had reached an accord to avoid going to trial in the case. Berlino said the terms of the settlement are confidential, so it's unclear exactly how much money they settled for, if any. But it ends years-long saga that began with Brian killed Gabby in late August 2021. 
The Petito family also made a statement through their lawyer who said the aides reluctantly agreed to avoid a, a difficult legal matter and prolonged personal conflict. A couple of days after Laundry killed Petito, he reportedly called his parents and told them Gabby was gone, that he was going to need a lawyer before going on the run and sparking a statewide manhunt. Mm. I believe it actually got nationwide, too. He was later found dead, and the death was eventually ruled a suicide. His call was apparently made weeks before Gabby's body was found in Wyoming, a killing Brian later seemingly confessed to a series of writings found at his death scene. Tito's family still engaged in another lawsuit. As previously reported, Gabby's parents are suing the Moab City Police Department, who interviewed Gabby and Brian on the side of the road in the weeks leading up to her death. Gabby told officers Brian grabbed her face and scratched her. The cops only separated the couple for the day, and she was killed two weeks later. I, I just, <clears throat> that's just I, I still that that's such a terrible. I hate to even talk about it. I can't even get through. I can't even get my feelings out right now. That just I hate it that that occurred. That that happened. Um, that she was with somebody that she thought loved her. Mm-hmm. was abusive towards her, and then when given the opportunity and she told the police about it, unfortunately... They did nothing. Yeah, sad. I mean, he said... And what bothers me about it too, Henry, is that Brian Laundry's family... Basically tried to cover it up. They, they tried to yeah, cover it up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why would you not want to help the family of this young woman who was murdered by Because they thought your about son? their son. And, and to me, there's just there was a whole lot of wrong. I just I could not imagine yep. uh, what her family's going through. And finally, uh, Natalie Portman finally addressed all of the speculation about her alleged marital issues and cheating rumors involving her husband, Benjamin Millipede. But she didn't offer any real insight. The Academy Award winning actress sat down for a recent interview with Vanity Fair writer Kiza Weir. Talk about her latest film, May, December, a range of other topics, including a personal life. At one point, we addressed the elephant in the room, saying in the lead up to the 2023 release of May-December, Portman's marriage was in the spotlight, quote, in a very public way. She then asked her what it was like. Portman didn't miss a beat, stating it's terrible. I have no desire to contribute to it. And that was that. Portman was referring to allegations of infidelity by Millipeter, supposedly had a fling with climate activist Camille Etienne last year, but it soon ended. Other media outlets have reported rumors that you have separated over the cheating claims, which the pair is yet to confirm or deny. They have two kids, uh, and uh, they were married for 11 years, uh, 12-year-old Aleph and uh, 6-year-old Amelia. Uh, as we know, you know, she's had a nice, long, successful career. I think we know her a lot for the 2011 Oscar for Best Actress in her role in Black Swan. Yeah, I, um, this is, I mean, I, I'm a fan. Natalie Portman is just stunning. She's stunning. And she, she seems like a good down to earth person. She too. does. She that doesn't need the limelight. No. I don't think that this story is necessarily about what she said, but it's about what she didn't say. And she did not say whether they were together or if they were apart. And this is just me. Reading the tea leaves. I think that they're not together. Okay. I, I just think that she doesn't want to confirm that right now. I mean, they got children. They got children involved. And I think that probably Maybe they haven't, they haven't made the final decision on where they're at, but clearly there's some separation there. There are some things that some people can come back from, and that's 
that's just something that's hard to come back from no matter who you are. And, and People do come, come back from infidelity. They, they do. Yeah. They do. It just depends on what kind of... When you're a superstar I, I, when in the you're spotlight, a superstar, that's yeah. different. It's, it's hard. Yeah, Natalie Portman is not like you and I. I mean, she's a, a well-known, famous, successful Hollywood actress. Yeah. Yep. That is true. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up on Word on the Street. Coming up next... The issue of hospitals providing the best service for their patients needs to be addressed. This is kind of a heartbreaking story that we'll get to next year on The Lake Show. You should always try to be a good person. We're not all perfect, and there are certain situations that are more complicated than others. But always try to do right by other human beings. And that does not seem to be the case in North Carolina, okay? Winston-Salem, North Carolina. There's a young lady by the name of Alexis Ratcliffe. She's 18 years old, and she's a quadriplegic, and she is suing the hospital that she's in because they're trying to move her to a nursing home, but there are specifics revolving around the nursing home. So let's get into those specifics. The the specifics are this, that she is suing a hospital in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, that wants her to leave, okay? She uses a ventilator. She has lived at the Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist Since she was 13. So she's been living there for five years. She wants to leave, too, according to the report. But not to the nursing home that the hospital found for her in another state. So so hear me out. The hospital in Winston-Salem, they want her to leave. She actually wants to leave, too. She says, I'm good with that. That's fine. I don't want to be in a hospital forever. I've been here five years. But no, you're not shipping me out of state. So she's suing. And she said from her hospital bed, she asked the question, what 18-year-old gets, well, she's not suing, they are suing her. Excuse me. That's quite the difference. She asked the question, what 18-year-old gets sued? So she wants to leave and go somewhere else close by, but they're trying to send her out of state, so they're suing her. She wants to stay close to her family and school, which makes all the sense in the world. When she refused to move to the very distant nursing home, the hospital sued her for trespass. This is unbelievable. I, it just seems wrong on the surface to do this to this young lady. And for, I could understand if they were trying to transfer her somewhere close and she didn't want to go Mm -hmm. and she's got family and friends nearby, but to send her out of state, I, I'm sorry. I I don't think that's really acceptable. You're you're treating this person like a piece of freight. Uh, You know, uh, we're just going to send her off to Oregon. We're going to send her off to, to Arizona, wherever it's like, why are you just 
playing around with this human being who was in a very tough situation being a what a, a quadriplegic like she can't she's already got an incredibly difficult road yep. ahead of her and trespassing for what trespassing trespassing for what i mean she she said herself she wants to go she doesn't want to be in the hospital nobody wants to live in a hospital the, the, their entire life yeah especially an 18 year old yep like i don't know who would come up with this this cockamamie like i i can't even imagine what her parents are thinking she states that she wants the state of North Carolina, yeah. where she has lived her entire life, to find a house or apartment for her with aides and nurses. It's something the state has done for other people with disabilities similar to hers. She says, quote, yes, I'm a quad, but I'm still a normal human being, just like everyone else. And I should be able to live life to the fullest of my abilities. And her story started back February of 2008. When she was 18 months old, she was injured, her neck crushed in a car crash. Mm. Her mother was driving, and her father was holding her in his lap in the front seat. Oh, man. Ratcliffe's mother was high on drugs and was later convicted of multiple charges related to the accident and sentenced to prison. So should have been in a car seat, wasn't in a car seat. Dad was holding Mm. her. She gets crushed. Very tragic situation. But I just think that North Carolina should do right by her. I'm dead serious. Yeah. I mean, suing her? She's not loitering. I, I would understand if somebody was trying to milk the system, if somebody's trying to take advantage of a condition, right, and, and oversell it. But since she was a year and a half old, she's been in this situation. And she has been through hell. This poor yep. girl who's been through this and now you want to say you are not welcome here what are, is she taxing the resources but what what but listen i'm not even mad if they say that that we can't continue to keep her here i just think that it's, it's on them to help try to find a place for her closer well so, and if so, and if they found other places like if the state of north carolina has done if they've this done it before the, that's what i'm saying like, yeah what, what what makes her situation so unique that you can't help her in the same way that you've helped others. All right, so this, the texture says, sounds like a piece of information from the hospital is missing. Let me, let me read further and tell you guys about something that you guys should know about. So Dr. Kevin Hyde, the hospital's vice, uh, uh, vice chief academic officer, says this isn't about money, says that Medicaid pays for Ratcliffe's care. Hyde says a hospital isn't a place for people to live long term. And I think that most people would tend to agree with that, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Except for a short term after Ratcliffe returned from her brief foster care placement, her health has been stable according to the hospital's lawsuit. And she doesn't require the level of care she's getting in the hospital, which I could see that. They say, quote, we always have people waiting for beds, and especially ICU beds, says I, who until September served as the hospital's president. Some people get turned away or wait for prolonged periods. He says, when you have people who stay in the hospital for a very long uh, period of time like this. Uh, I get that. I get that. All I'm saying is I think that they should work on the distance. And Ratcliffe says that she still needs the bed. 
until care can be set up in a home or apartment. And I don't think that that's too much to ask. No, it, it's it's not. It, until until they're able to get her situated, she should be provided the care that she needs there. Here's my question with the hospital. Why now, if it's a concern, why did they not try and address this prior to this point in time? Well, because they, they probably didn't think that she that it was going to get to this point where she's going to be there that long. But I mean, once you realize that okay, the, the health is stable, and now to try and not use all those resources, can't you work with? I guess we're getting to a point now where it's like okay, we need to kick her out. We need to put her in a place you know halfway across the country just so we can free up a bed. Whereas I'm thinking, you know, even just six months ago, I mean, have things changed that much that you had to wait until this point? Like, I think there should have been enough foresight, especially on the hospital's part, to realize that this was a situation you were eventually going to be in. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. Um, We've just been through a pandemic, though, and there's a lot of stuff that's been going on the last couple of years. And they're probably like, you know, this is... We can't have this be set up this way. And quite frankly, a hospital is not ever going to be viewed as a long-term care facility. No, it's, which, it's not. Which, which, which we get that. We understand. All I'm saying is is the distance thing, that should be factored in, and she should be, um, to the best of their ability, mm-hmm. try to keep her in state. Have her close to her friends and family. Like, Can you imagine being at a, at, a, at, a, at a place where there's nobody you know anywhere near you and you're like a state or two away? Mm-hmm. And when you're a quadriplegic, you need somebody to help care for you. You need that support system. And you're taking away everything that this young lady has in her life, and you're going to rip that away. I mean, I I just – it just really bugs me when I hear this. And it makes me sad that I feel like she's being looked at as – Again, I, I don't want to say a novelty or just a, a piece of it, but there's no consideration for the human element here. And that it, it just doesn't paint the hospital. I, I don't know. I, they're just I can't side with anything that the hospital says. Yes, you might need the bed. You might have some. But then do something to help her. Don't just say, you know what, we're going to ship you across the country and, you know, like a piece of cattle. And you know what? Our, our hands are clean. No, yeah. your hands are It just are not feels clean. dirty. It just it feels, feels dirty. really, really dirty. And she's getting sued. And, and, and she's I'm, getting sued. She, she should not turn around and sue their asses for being dumb. All right, 651-461-9226. Final segment of The Lake Show next. Couple of texts. This one I definitely think could factor in, Chris, for the 612. Her turning 18 might have something to do with this. Don't ask me what, but I'll bet it does. It could. I mean, it's it's possible. Especially when, you know, you had the situation with the parents. Because who's to say who her? The legal guardian? Yeah, or, but she's 18 now. Yeah, so she doesn't. But, like, even before then, right? Like, during that time, because remember the one was incarcerated, or the mom for driving the car. And then I can't remember what the, what the father was up to, but. Yeah, because I, I – think it her maternal grandfather um is one of them that was like one of her um her guardians so yeah maybe turning 18 was part of it i mean that that could be 
Uh, this from the 612, I don't support what this hospital is doing and support the lawsuit. Um, uh, but our long-term care facilities are in crisis in Minnesota and nationwide. No one does anything. Uh, long-term care residents in Minnesota commonly wait one to two hours for help going to the bathroom now. Breakfast comes at 9 rather than 8. It's a full-blown crisis, and no one cares. That from the, uh, from the 612. I got a friend of mine that um, works at a, uh, a, a nursing facility. Mm-hmm. In uh, Hutchinson. Hutch. Hutch. Shout out to Hutch. And he. Speaking of which, Lindsay Wayland holds me a phone call. Oh, really? Does she? Hmm. Lindsay, call me back. Call your boy. I'm going to text her after the show. Call me back. See? You just call text her to tell you to call you. Is that I'm, what you're I'm going to text her and tell her you owe me a call. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's fair. I mean, do what you have to do. I didn't know there were a lot of. Uh, Trouble, you know, troublemakers in Hutch. Of course, my buddy Roman. Oh, Lindsay Whalen's a troublemaker from Hutch. Oh, she's a troublemaker <laughs> from Hutch. <laughs> See, my my buddy's from Wed- from uh, Redwood. He relocated to Hutch, but uh, he's a troublemaker there too. But he's my guy. Now he he works at a, uh, a nursing facility, long care term facility, and I think it's just it's interesting just kind of how he tells me. Some of the stories of, of what they have to deal with and all of the, the challenges that they have to, you know, all the challenges that they have to deal with. And it's just, it's, it's sad. It's, it's sad. And the work that they do, it's, it's underappreciated. Yeah. Man, we got a kind of an intense, like, medical situation here. I, I, I don't know. I think she's conscious. Mm-hmm. I know we're totally, like, switching. But me and Chris were both kind of watching this in real time. Yeah. It looked like the young lady was conscious, but definitely, like, I think that there was a lot of blood or something. It was a basketball game taking place. Was it ESPN? It's uh, UCLA and Utah. UCLA and Utah. And there's a young lady. She's just laid out yes, underneath she, the basket um, in the paint. And I think she's conscious because it looked like she was talking and, and moving her legs. Uh, yeah, and, and now she's oh, okay. up and they've got oh, good, something good. on the side of her. She's on the, she's on the side. Yeah, they've okay. got her on the side. of. She's got something on the side of her head. I don't know if it's an ice pack or a. I think it's a towel with an ice. Towel like, with an ice pack, yeah. she But, got, I, but, but oh, she's hurting though, man. Yeah, they put her on the bench. Now I think gonna, she was bleeding, uh, bleeding pretty good. Yeah, there was one of the, one of the trainers – Went out and immediately brought some more towels out there. But, yeah, yeah she was down in the land. I don't know what happened. And Well, you wh- never know. I mean, could have been fingernail, bad fingernail scratch. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you never know. You never know. And and it just sat, you know, because sometimes you see a player go down and then. Look, look, at the, they're still applying pressure. Man, I'm, I'm surprised she's Ouch. still in the hallway, not in the locker room. Man, I at this point, if I'm. Utah, Wait, does she have blood on her jersey? The girl from Utah? No, the girl from UCLA. Okay, here we go. Oh, it's an elbow. Oh, it's an elbow. Oh, she got an elbow to the right side, and Ooh. then, okay, yeah, she didn't hit her head on the court, but, yeah, there was a girl who uh, UCLA yeah, came elbow. down and was going for the rebound, and it was the left elbow hit her in about the right temple. Man. Uh, let me say this. I, um... I once got hit like that, and I, I didn't like. I wasn't bleeding or anything like that. It didn't cause a cut, but I'm pretty sure that that's the one time in my life 
that have probably got a mild <laughs> concussion. Now, now this was 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and I never, like, I didn't leave the gym or anything like that because I, I was at Lifetime. I was out in Plymouth. We're playing pickup, and somebody caught me like that. Yeah. And I saw stars. Yeah, you, you probably did. No, I did. I'm telling you I did. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely sounds like, you know, but then it was like, oh, you got your bell wrong. Yeah, I got you know, my bell wrong. That's, you got that's your totally bell wrong. You just kind of, you shake it off and you keep going. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we've all, yeah, we've all done. So. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. Rub <laughs> some dirt. Hey man, I've, yeah, I've had a few concussions playing ball in my, I mean, mostly, you know, baseball when I, you know, diving and you go and you, you know, your arms are stretched out and you can't brace yourself. Yeah. And your head hits the, hits the dirt. But I mean, it's sports, even at a rec level are yeah. competitive and it hurts, but hopefully that young lady, that she'll she, be, all she'll right. be all right. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, quick reminder, abbreviated show tomorrow night. We will be on after twins spring training. So roughly seven thirty, possibly eight o'clock. But nonetheless, we'll talk to you tomorrow night right here on The Good Neighbor. News Talk 830-WCCO. Make sure that you check out the podcast page, the opening topic about Congressman Dean Phillips, my reaction to his appearance today on The Chad Harpin Show. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 